0: Hey there, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Fixies and the host of the Sparkle and Thrive podcast, and we're doing a series on the challenges that women from ethnically diverse backgrounds face when returning to work, and I wanted to bring on some of the experts I know and have met through Tech Fixies to talk about this exact issue. So, Padman Knowles, thank you for being here. You're definitely an expert on this topic, and I would love to explore this topic further with you.
1: Thanks for having me. Nice to be back again, Joy.
0: Yes. So those of you who know Padma, uh, she is a member of our Tech community. She is also a careers coach and she has a lot of knowledge about what it takes to get a job. What I've learned, Padma, and I'm sure you have observed as well, is that it is challenging for a woman to get a job, yeah. uh, but it is even more challenging for a woman from an ethnically diverse background, a uh, so, uh, so sexual orientation that might be um, different from what people are traditionally used to, uh, and also women from you know who are older or lower socioeconomic or neurodiverse. So you add on all these things, uh, and it makes it even more complicated. But I want to talk to you specifically about ethnic diversity and how that. Uh, really creates a barrier when returning to work and how people can overcome it so what are you, what's your experience and how have you helped people work through those challenges
1: um yeah absolutely it's a huge issue as we all know and um you know we've all heard and seen the reports that you know there's lack of diversity within organizations um you know g- across globally quite frankly and we all know that i mean i think there was a report Back in, I mean, it was an old one, but I'm sure it's, the figures aren't that different now. It was from 2018 by Diversity UK, and it was the Big Four accounting firms in the UK in the UK then had 3,000 partners and only
0: 11 were black. Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, that's you know, and I don't I don't know how much those figures have changed now, but I don't imagine there's been a huge amount. So you know, it's there's a lot of work to be done, and yeah, you're absolutely right. The issues start even before that individual has even attempted to find work you know so there's two challenges really with keeping a keeping your workforce diverse one is attracting the talent and two is retaining them Um, and ultimately they're the biggest issues that any organization faces and for anyone from any of those backgrounds looking for work it's a real challenge because you want to work somewhere that feels inclusive that you know you can progress and all of those things but there's a lot of barriers in your way in the first instance I mean even starting with your name <laughs> I mean I I can talk about this personally you know I my maiden name is Nalamilli it's oh, a very Indian name so I'm Nalamilli and I'd never even considered it and then I got married and it became Knowles and I didn't even realize at the beginning but how many more responses I got and it's it it would it really really confused me. And then it was it, it was actually the more I talk about it, the more I hear these stories elsewhere as well. Um, well, I
0: know from the Oxford University Artificial Intelligence program that I did that recruitment has a lot of um, AI built into it now and that what they have learned is that AI, uh, if the testing data is biased, the results will be biased. And so when a lot of this recruitment software was built, uh, it was built with bias. Um, For example, Amazon built uh, an AI tool or used an AI tool that basically said only white males are good for this role because all they had were white males that they input into the testing data and they obviously scratched the program. What we've learned in the recruitment industry from, from the studying that I've done is that uh, if you have um, an African last name or an Indian last name, an Asian last name, that it doesn't go through the recruitment software as well as a, a European or North American last name does. And I find that really, really uh, fascinating and also very sad. you know, and we've got to change, uh, we've obviously got to change the bias so that uh, women are getting through, but also so that people with, uh, last names that are, you know, very clearly Indian or African, aren't having the challenges that people with North American and European names, uh, you know, don't have. You
1: no, know, and that's it, and you made a really valid point there with that, uh, you know, study is that ultimately the people building the software need to be from a diverse talent pool Because otherwise you're going in with those biases. So it starts right at that level. And I know a lot of work's being done, but these are unseen obstacles and barriers that people from those communities face when simply trying to get a job.
0: So would you recommend that someone change their name uh, just to get past that barrier, have have a pseudonym? I mean, actors do it, right? Many, many actors do not have the original names that they started with. I'm pretty sure Angelina Jolie's name is not actually Angelina Jolie. Brad Pitt's name is not actually Brad Pitt. I think if we dig deeper, a lot of these actors don't, the names that they have as a stage name are completely different. So why can't we do that in the career world? And would you recommend it?
1: Um, I personally wouldn't do it because in my mindset is would I want to work for an organization that didn't where I couldn't be my full self and that my name is a huge part of that. So absolutely not for me, but it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. I, I wouldn't go out recommending it because I think. it's it's ultimately what you're comfortable with it's ultimately what you're comfortable with and I think well I I
0: like how I like how Dame Stephanie Shirley did it right so I mean and and in a way and here's here's what I'd say about this like I'm not suggesting people change their names but I'm not not suggesting they don't change their names either because I look at what Dame Stephanie was trying to accomplish and she basically realized that unless she changed her name she was not going to accomplish it yes and her desire to accomplish her vision was more important to her than her name in that case and so she changed her name to steve and she wrote all of her emails with steve and she's actually known now as steve she's not yeah. known as stephanie we call her Dame stephanie surely but she's really dame steve and if you speak to her you call her steve you don't call her stephanie and i find that fascinating because she was forced to do it she had no choice yeah. and i think that's the challenge right now we're living in a world where if you can make a name for yourself with your name then it you know you 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 break through that barrier it's whether or not people have that opportunity to hold on to their name and push forwards. I don't know. At one point, my maiden name was Farron Krog, which is, um, a, you know, it's a few few syllables and hard to spell. And at one point I thought um, I'm just going to change my name to Farron or change it to like Hamilton so that it was like really easy for people because no one could spell it. No one could say it. And, um, but you do realize that once if you do make a name for yourself with the name that you've got, People do eventually learn it, and actually, if it is unique, it becomes something that's you know really stands out for you. And um, so I do, th- yeah, I think it's a personal choice for sure. But there are stories of people not just in the acting world, but also in the business world, doing it and doing it to great effect. So it's something I guess that everyone has to consider or or choose you know choose to do or choose not to do. If you choose not to to change your name, what are some of the things that you can do to increase the chances that your CV are going to get through or that your cover letter is going to get through? I
1: think ultimately um, it starts with your, your own screening process because, you know, and it's looking at things like the job spec. Look at the language used on that job uh, job description, sorry. Um, look at the company's glass door reviews because you'll have ex-employees and current employees talking about their honest opinions and it's anonymous. So it's very honest on there. Um, and that's good as well, because there's lots of good things on there. It's not all negative
0: at all. Um but you what can, was the website? Glassdoor. Oh, Glassdoor. And there's and yeah. on Glassdoor you get kind of you can, anonymous you can um feedback reviews. about people's
1: roles. Yeah. yeah, about individual, it's an individual's experience. It could be, and there's often articles on there or you know, um reviews, if you like, on there from employees talking about their um, experiences from a diversity and inclusion perspective so it's a really useful tool and I'd 100% look at it and um, I would say another big top tip is go and search for recruit recruitment companies that focus on diverse talent
0: so because, yeah do you have a few that you can recommend because I think oh gosh, be there's something.
1: lots there's lots um there's um, F1 recruitment um, which is very if you're from a marketing PR comms background they are um, you know very they're market leaders in terms of what they do and um, how they and they you know present a more diverse talent pool and they build strong relationships in those communities there's BAME Consulting which are a diversity and inclusion specialist um book recruitment company too so there's lots I mean I can. Um,
0: I would love if we can get a list of these organizations to put into the show notes, because it's definitely something that I know when sort of the flexible working movement came into place in the last, well, I'd probably say the last five to 10 years, we've certainly seen a huge rise in flexible working pushing. And then obviously through the pandemic, that's allowed that, that to be more prevalent, um, but also sort of that nine to nine to three or two to three days, you know, the, the these yeah, jobs yeah. that are really geared towards Mothers, we've seen this sort of subculture of uh, flexible working campaigners and you know um, mother working campaigners, right? So people that that are are working on making that happen. I, this is what I'm really curious about now is being able to find and share the links of organizations that are helping women from ethnically diverse backgrounds get work so that we can point people in the right direction. So if you can give me a list, I would love to put that in the show notes for people. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll
1: come up with a list, but it's, it's, you know, just highlights the diverse talent whether male or female, um, you know, so, but yeah, it, they, they're um, recruitment agencies where they're renowned for, the diverse talent pool candidates that they have because they've attracted them and built those relationships, and ultimately they've got an increased chance of presenting a diverse shortlist to a business, and that business has come to them proactively because they want to do something about their diversity. They're not saying it's perfect, but they're starting, and that's that's often the conversation we have is like, but just start. Everyone's got to start somewhere, so it's starting to have those conversations, and they are uncomfortable but it's having them and starting. That's the key thing. So yeah, that would be a top tip. Definitely. So what do
0: you, what do you coach when you coach? Cause I know you're a career coach and you've worked with a lot of the tech pixies actually as well um, and helped quite a few of them get jobs. What do you find, you know, so I find there's different stages. First stages I'm putting tons of applications out and I'm not getting any interviews and then they improve their CV. They improve their cover letter and they then start getting interviews. Then the next challenge is people are getting interviews, but then they're not getting the job, right? So the first challenge is to get the interview. The second challenge is to get the, the, get, get the, get the job off the back of the interview. What are, um, you know, if someone is stuck in one of those two places, obviously, you know, improving the CV, improving the cover letter is one thing they can do to get past that first phase and into the interview. What, if, what happens when you've got someone from an ethnically diverse background who gets into an interview but then is getting interview after interview after interview but isn't getting the job Um, i think at some point they 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 start to think is this because of my race or is this because of my skill set because they're getting into the interviews over and over again and they've got the skill set for the jobs but they're not making it to the next to the to the the actual job offer um Mm -hmm. and what how do you coach someone through that challenge
1: Ultimately, I think it starts with, um, because it could be that, you know, let's be quite honest, it could be a factor. Um, and I think it, it's it got to come down to your questioning in the interview process as well. You can only control what you can control. And I think it's down to your questioning. So when you're going for an interview at an organisation, look at that diversity split. Look who's at the top. Look who's, is there any diversity at the top? And if if there isn't, ask the question You know, it's just it's just being proactive, isn't it? And asking the question, go, look, this, what is your diversity? What are we doing? You know, what's your policy on this? How are you going about attracting these people? How are you going about retaining people? So have those conversations. Um, And I think it starts with you asking the questions.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, coming in prepared with questions, there's always an opportunity in an interview where yep. someone says, do you have any further questions? In fact, that's a big part of my story when I was going for, I was working with a recruiter and they said, do you have any other questions before we put you forward for this job? And I said, yes, I would love to know the maternity belief policy. <laughs> and they're like, eh, you're out of here. And that was, you know, that really um, was the death of my corporate career because from that, you know, they wouldn't, they refused to work with me because I wanted to know, no i wanted to have a career that could have a family and i wanted to only work for companies that have that i just read someone on zero or i mean on um linkedin someone posted a testimonial about working for zero and they said that they were hired I, saw, were that. I saw that 33 weeks pregnant gorgeous the- yeah yeah, and then at 37 weeks, she said, "I can't believe you guys hired me." And he goes, and her boss said, "Thank you for applying." And then they gave her six months maternity leave to be home with her family, and then they eased her back into work. And it was like the most glowing report or the most glowing review I've ever seen. And of course, I zero. Um, I love zero. We use zero, and I've I seen see many female leaders within zero speak. So I would love to see this start happening for uh, not just women, but women from diverse backgrounds. Um, any final tips, because I know this is a, this is a flash in the pan quick uh, podcast that we're doing here, but any final tips, you know anything that someone can hold on to when it's still not happening for them but they know they've got the skills and they know they've got the talent and they you know but they also have, are bringing a, a culture add to the the, the organization what what's right well, they're bet? not
1: getting the job sorry staff do you know what i'd do at that point because i think when you get to that point you're feeling really desperate and you're you know and you know people have got to pay bills and all of those things i would get that You know, I would say find someone in your network that's senior that you can ask them to mentor you. That's honestly, if I had my time again, you know what I mean? As in I have a mentor, having a mentor is key, whatever stage, I think. But I think if you're feeling like that, finding someone in your network that's, you know, from um, an ethnic minority background, that inspires you, that's in a position of seniority, whatever it might be, reach out to them. And ask them to be your mentor or at least give you advice and guidance because they, people want to help people always want to help especially when you're chasing facing those challenges because i have been there so absolutely reach out and start talking to people because you'll get a different perspective you'll try something new and when you try something new you get different results we know that so
0: yeah that's what my top tip would be that is worth its weight in gold Thank you so much, Padma. I have really enjoyed this um, flash in the pan, <laughs> flash in the pan, <laughs> quick podcast, and I think our listeners will too. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you.